Hello and welcome to the second episode of The Gradient Podcast. The Gradient is a digital magazine that aims to be a place for discussion about research and trends in artificial intelligence and machine learning. This podcast is an extension of that. We interview various people in the field of AI, ranging from researchers to practitioners and beyond. In this episode, I'm excited to be interviewing Helena Serene. Lena Sarin is a visual artist and software engineer and is among the most prominent artists utilizing AI for their work. After she discovered GANs, Generative Adversarial Networks, several years ago, uh, she made uh, generative models her primary artistic medium. She is a frequent speaker at machine learning and AI conferences and has uh, delivered invited talks at MIT, Library of Congress, and Capital One. And her artwork has been exhibited at AI art exhibitions in Zurich, Dubai, Oxford, Shanghai, and Miami. Lastly, Helena was among the earliest offers to contribute a piece to the Gradient with 2018's uh, playing a game of Ganstruction, in which she described the process she follows to make her art. So once again, I'm super excited and uh, welcome, Helena, to the podcast. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here. Awesome. So um, there's a lot to cover. Uh, and uh, I think first it kind of makes sense to, before we talk about the AR, AI art aspect, I'm curious how you got started with sort of traditional art and what your background there is. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, actually, I've been making art uh, for as long as I can remember. Uh, my parents were engineers, but my mom uh, actually encouraged my many artistic uh, endeavors and enthusiasms. And I think I tried everything from sculpture to wood carving to like drawing, uh, painting, and like even fashion design. And in fact, uh, Speaking of fashion design, um, back then in Soviet Union, that there was this uh, strong culture of uh, do-it-yourself because, I mean, you can't buy, uh, you couldn't buy nice things like clothes or whatever. So if you want something, you better do it yourself. And uh, so so I got in many crafts and uh, to that day, I consider myself uh, more like a craftsperson before like an artist. And I actually was dreaming to to become a fashion designer, but of course, nobody considered this being a serious kind of like job. And I ended up like my parents, uh, I I went to the um, State University of Civil Engineering in Moscow, and I ended up uh, with a degree in uh, automated system. And basically, this is how I became like software engineer. I see. Yeah, I have a bit of related experience with my parents who went to university in the Soviet Union, got degrees in math, and then uh, both wound out being software engineers. So yeah, that's interesting. And then speaking of that, um, I think it's not uncommon for engineers to have an artistic side, but at the same time, as someone in in computer science, I've Mm -hmm. not met that many uh, engineers who also at the same time you know, uh, our artists and practice mm-hmm. artist, uh, artistry. So how do you think this combination of skills have interacted or related to each other in your uh, experience? Uh, 
like I mentioned, uh, the, the, the craft, uh, crafty side of like art. And I think like both in art and in software engineering, you have this uh, craft element. And in fact, uh, uh, just recently, I learned that uh, in Japanese, kugei, uh, kogei uh, means craft, but uh, uh, literally it means uh, engineered art. And that's how, since then, I started to describe my artistic process. So it's engineered art. So, and I think, like, again, I don't see there is a direct uh, relationship between these two things. But, I mean, when we speak uh, strictly about analog art and uh, software in, uh, engineering, but, uh, I mean, the, the, it's sort of like feeds your creativity, I would say. Mm-hmm. So on some indirect level. Would you say, so when you say engineered art uh, is your process, um, does that sort of imply that it's a hands-on process or sort of building something? Uh, I think like like my approach. I mean, it's not like uh, I start winging something. It's sort of like always uh, starts with some kind of like thought. It might uh, veer in some different direction, but I, I kind of like, uh, see it as a structured process, uh, not like so. So I wouldn't say that I am in, intuitive artist. Mm, I see. Interesting. Um, yeah, and then speaking of relationship between um, engineering and art, obviously, in being uh, an artist who has uh, really uh, gotten to use AI in in the last few years, mm-hmm. there the engineering part is much more directly relevant. So speaking of that, um, how did you initially get started with AI and uh, were you looking to learn it specifically to make art or just out of general curiosity? Um, neither, actually, because uh, I, I was uh, lucky enough to get uh, a consulting gig uh, that uh, was uh, with, uh, I mean, I needed to train a neural network. For, for object recognition and that that's basically how I mean it was like back in 2017 and GANs were quite kind of little at the time so um, I needed to, to augment the training data set and I started looking around I mean googling and I found about cycle GAN at the time and I tried it like to generate synthetic data and the results were so kind of amazing. They even tricked my client when I showed like synthetic data. I mean, it was like a simple data set of uh, uh, license plates, but still it was quite impressive. And uh, I decided uh, I should try it definitely uh, on my own art. And uh, fortunately enough, I had like uh, tons and tons of digitized uh, photos of food and uh, from my previous life as a food stylist. So I had like, I mean, I have enough, I had enough of training data that I, I can kind of like start with that. And uh, I mean, since then, <laughs> this is what I'm mostly doing. I see. Yeah. And uh, I'm kind of, yeah, curious. So from first experimenting with these tool sets and AI, Sort of how long did it take for your uh, usage of AI to make art to sort of evolve and, and figure out sort of the process and, and get comfortable with it? 
So, so, so like, uh, I would say that, uh, I mean, initially it was like, like, let's try without any kind of direction. And uh, then I sort of like started to understand what's going on. But the thing about, like you mentioned comfortable, I mean, uh, I sort of prefer being uncomfortable when I'm doing art because this is like uh, this tension, this, this sort of being on your toes, uh, makes, uh, I mean, allows you to make interesting things. And I think it shows, uh, in, in the final, pr- pr- like in final work and, uh, something that, uh, uh, will be interesting to you. I mean, hopefully to, to, to your audience. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, so then I guess, um, you've been at it for a few years. Have you continuously sort of evolved your approach and, you know, challenge yourself to use different yeah. tools, approaches? Yeah. I mean, especially sort of, uh, uh, I mean, the tools, uh, I mean, the games themselves, probably more or less, I'm uh, still within like uh, pretty simple uh, old style games, uh, like cycle game is my workhorse up to this day. But uh, more and more, I mean, like I said, initially it was like, let's do this, let's try this uh, without any direction. But then uh, I started uh, sort of... Uh, understand my uh, data sets uh, more and more. And like it reminded me uh, this uh, semi-famous uh, quote by Jitendra Malik uh, and uh, that when he said, you must become friends with every pixel. So th- th- this is like h- how it's literally, I mean, it's, it's now I, I know that this kind of fragment uh, patch from, from my data might go somewhere. So it's like collagens uh, kind of thing. So, yeah, I mean, from, from that perspective, I became very, very uh, intimately familiar with my data sets. And now, I mean, like when I need to direct uh, the, the, the final outcome, it's just basically through not so much through hyperparameters or changing the um, algorithm, but more from, from the input from the training data. Yeah, I, I remember um, this was an interesting point, I think, from uh, your description of your process where I think, um, you know, when when doing research, developing mm-hmm. GANs, it's, it's usually just these big data sets that are off the shelf. Yeah. And yeah, one thing you emphasized is to actually make something unique and that is your own. A uh, big part of that is not, you know, using a particular model, but instead mm-hmm. curating your own data set. Right. Yeah. Do you think this is sort of an underappreciated point about AI art or maybe people don't quite realize that this is important? I think uh, it's uh, w- when I started, there, there were not uh, like uh, many artists doing this. Anna Riedler, maybe another one. Uh, another artist I'm aware of, but uh, these days, uh, I mean, um, like, because especially I think it's driven because everybody are kind of like using the same algorithm, like style gain or whatever. So the need to, to, to have your own data kind of becomes more important if you want to do something interesting. So I know like for a fact, uh, Derek Schultz, uh, I think he teaches in, in YU and he has a special, I mean, a special course on uh, how 
to prepare your data sets. And his students actually do an amazing job. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And then speaking of, um, you know, AI arts and, and learning from other people, uh, it's, it, I think it's still a very kind of cutting edge area. It's really only been, I don't know, you know, deep learning, all these tools have been around mm -hmm. for about a decade. And then it's really been, I think only a few years, uh, where it really has become more or you know different ai mm -hmm. artists have emerged so when you were starting out early on where did you sort of find your inspiration or you know did you find any sort of uh, inspiration to compare this this tool set or how did that sort of develop um, actually, I think it's, it, it was uh, coincidentally, I, I was not aware of anybody who, who was doing the, this stuff and uh, it allowed me to, to create my niche or something or to progress to, to, to the point when I was not afraid to show what, uh, like my results, my work. And so, so kind of like being in this isolation, uh, I mean, if I were to see at the at the time other artists, I would be scared and never do anything. <laughs> so, that, that, so, so that that was the advantage when I kind of like appeared out of my kind of like hole. I mean, uh, uh, and then there was like you, you know on uh, Twitter that there is a like large community of uh, AI researchers per se, and uh, like relatively. Uh, I mean, relatively big at the time group of uh, AI artists and sort of uh, when I showed to them my work, uh, I mean, they, they sort of accepted me and because, because it was a little bit different from what other people were doing. So it allowed me kind of gave, gave me the strength to, to continue and evolve. Uh, that's great. And I'm curious, uh, so you started out as this consulting uh, gig uh, mm -hmm. I guess, has it become your primary um, area of work uh, that you spend time on? Yes, yes, because at some point I understood uh, it's sort of like it, it it won't work. I mean, because I started giving talks, I started like giving workshops and uh, people started buying my prints. And so, so it was like not, not a huge income, but it was enough like to kind of like, decide that I, that's my full-time job. Great. And um, also kind of talking about uh, starting out, I believe I've seen you mentioned that um, you learned some things from uh, fast AI. Yeah, in general, I'm curious, how did you sort of educate yourself? Um, um, yeah, I mean, uh, definitely from... Uh, DL education and from even like uh, getting publicity, I, I owe uh, like a lot to Fast AI and uh, Jeremy and Rachel because uh, I mean, uh, this first uh, like uh, MOOC that they gave, that there are like so, so, so many people got their jump start 
and uh, got on their own and uh, like with uh, like podcasts and dual uh, defy and myself and uh, a couple of people got into open AI. So, so it was like a very good school and we, we sort of like uh, uh, learn from each other and not only from the DL perspective, but also kind of like from, I, I don't know, like, like, like this support group. But uh, in general, I mean, I owe a lot to AI community because because my first talks, uh, like you with uh, like Gradient uh, giving me the platform to, to do this uh, paper. Uh, then uh, Philippe Zola inviting me to uh, MIT to talk at uh, again uh, conference. So that, that that's, yeah, I mean, I will fill up. That's great. And uh, yeah, so it sounds like the research community, the AI community was pretty welcoming to you yes. as mm-hmm. a newcomer. Absolutely. Uh, that's good to hear. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, you, you guys did like such a great job with with uh, gradient and with editorial of my with the, uh, editing my paper. So yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, we're glad to hear that. But uh, on a different note, I'm curious um, because it's such a kind of cutting edge area, mm-hmm. and uh, there's not that many people in it. Um, what have been some challenges that maybe are a bit unexpected in, you know, making this your focus? Um, actually, the, the, the challenging stuff is basically, uh, it's, it's right now, I mean, AI is a threat, AI art is a threat. I mean, it's just, it's like very popular area of art and, uh, especially with like, so, I mean, so many digital artists got into this. So, so the main challenge is uh, sort of like reinventing yourself because, I mean, at some point, uh, like even with uh, private data sets, you, you see that people, I mean, maybe I'm paranoid, I don't know. I mean, but, but you look at something and see that it sort of like looks like yours. And uh, it may be like people... Uh, learning from you that they start to adopt your styles or your approaches, or maybe it's coincidental, doesn't matter because you try to, to kind of like uh, find something new, like s- s- some new way to, to deal, uh, to, 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 to make art. I mean, I mean, it's, um, also, the element that uh, you, you know, when you start to repeat yourself, you you become bore, uh, bored, mm-hmm. and that's why um, again, it's 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 like um, maybe sometimes it's exhausting because you sit and you say, oh, I, I sort of like already did it before, and uh, and uh, yeah, so, so so that's probably the most challenging part that. Uh, you, you you need to to, to find um, and because it's computational stuff, so you you kind of like need to to, to, to write new algorithm um, new programs to, to 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 sort of make interesting stuff. And sometimes it's yeah, it's too exhausting. I see. Yeah, so you kind of have to build your own tools and yeah. use those tools at the same time. Yeah. So off of uh, going off of that, um, I'm curious. So, what have been some kind of exciting directions or or new 
ideas for making art uh, lately that you've liked. Uh, I think I saw you were collaborating with a generative artist mm -hmm. who doesn't use art. So maybe that's one of that could be interesting. Yeah, so, so this is what I called like post-AI, post-Gaianism or non-Pietilism or whatever ism. But uh, taking AI as part of the broader computational art and uh, as an example that you brought, it's a great ex example because uh, Dmitry Cherlyak, uh, he created uh, data sets for me using generative art, he, 3GS. And I took this uh, data sets and I trained uh, a chain of GANs on that. And I think it's like uh, we are working on the book around this. And I think it's like a very um, exciting project. I mean, for me personally, Dmitry also expressed the same. And uh, I, I saw the reaction of community. It's, it's sort of like... for. for for some reason, collaborations are like something that people uh, get very excited and that's uh, one of the area because it's sort of like synergetic things. Uh, and another kind of like on, on another, uh, um, in another direction is uh, like what uh, I started doing, like exploring uh using AI, des I mean, AI generated design. So like this, uh, and take them to physical artifacts. Like, you, you know, I did like a couple books, artist books, and now I'm exploring uh, the um, something like in pottery. And I always do prints. So, so I think it's kind, kind of hilarious to take something that is so artificially, <laughs> I mean, this totally uh, computational and uh, make them into physical artifacts. So that's, uh, that's the main direction for me for this year. Mm -hmm. uh, that's interesting. Um, yeah, I, I actually, uh, as you probably know, uh, got one of your books. Uh, yeah. Uh, something Genesis, I, I think, yeah. uh, which was uh, quite fun. I think there were a lot of sort of puns. Uh, yeah, that's... And varied art. Would you say you generally lean towards maybe more bright uh, art or... or I don't know, uh, kind of what is the sort of mood you tend to be uh, going for? Um, it, it, that's a great question because I think like, uh, um, this is what Aaron Hersman from um, Adobe Research, he called this uh, visual indeterminacy. And this is what I like about early GANs because they sort of like not strive. I mean, when you work with them, you don't end up with uh, something digitally correct, but something that kind of like looks uh, plausible, but still defies like coherent explanation. And this is like something that uh, like me being like uh, on the comical side, like something that I now called uh, GAN Comedia Erudita. <laughs> so it's just like I mean, Gens. Who I mean, they're so so inviting for 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 this panning, and so so that's why Gang Comedia Rudita was my second book that uh, I actually uh, demoed last year at uh, Nvidia GTC conference. 
so yeah, I mean, it's definitely li- life is too tough. I mean, we, we need to, to, to be kind of making jokes as much as possible. Yeah, I think <laughs> definitely uh, it's it's nice to see AI being used for something. Yeah, for, for, for its hilarious stuff. Exactly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and we've seen some other people, I think, especially with text generative models, there's been a lot of sort of demos. Yes. And uh, it's interesting how sort of the the quasi logical but also sort of surreal aspect can result in very kind of interesting and often entertaining outcomes yes <laughs> yeah yeah and then uh, another thing i've been curious about uh, recently uh, in addition to where your work has been going is i have you know very um uh, you know, remotely, but uh, still a little bit, uh, have been seeing that with digital art, especially, there's been a lot of excitement about uh, NFTs, mm-hmm. digital, you know, cryptocurrency. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, what is your view on that? Do you think that's promising? Uh, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I'm as you might know, I'm actually uh, quite active in this. Mm-hmm. And uh, I started about a year ago, had like, uh, I mean, not as successful as like, you know, top people like Beeple and Park and company. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's just because of this uh, like environmental uh, issues, I uh, stopped minting on Ethereum. And right now that there is a thriving com- community, he can look where like uh, all my buddies moved to and this is like um, i mean ai artists like mario klingeman and this is all uh, mike taika and uh, memo acton so that this is like a fun uh, community and uh, it's like green nft and i think like for, for the time being it's fun i mean it's just like communal mm-hmm. aspect where we are not making tons of money but it's sort of like uh, self-sustaining community for now so so i don't know like uh, like long-term future but uh, yeah i see and uh yeah speaking of community uh, i'm curious yeah as you mentioned when you were starting out mm-hmm. maybe there weren't that many people so has has the community grown have you been observing you know more ai artists popping up and are you kind of talking to each other and, and stuff like that uh, I think that there are like, uh, there is no community, like, uh, overarching community per se, that there are like sort of clusters that, uh, you, you, I mean, comfortable with. So I would say it's more like small groups and within this group, it's like very supportive because, uh, you kind of mentioned other people when you're invited to, to, to exhibition or somebody asks you to, for recommendations. So from, from this perspective, but it's like, uh, uh, weekly overlapped, uh, overlapping group, I would say. So, I mean, I, I'm like, there are so many artists right now that, uh, I mean, half of the names uh, don't, don't ring a bell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm curious with respect to exhibitions, um, mm-hmm. for most people, AI art and even generative art is fairly novel. Uh, even though there's been a long his- history of computational art, maybe it's mm-hmm. less mainstream. So yeah, how, how do you view kind of the mainstream, um, 
appeal or opinions of AI art and are there maybe any kind of mm, incorrect or maybe annoying uh, perspectives that are common? A little bit, yes, because uh, first of all, uh, all the painting robots that we see right now in the eye, that they're horrible. <laughs> and then again, I mean, a lot of article, I mean, uh, or applications, uh, the AI applications, I mean, did they give in the impression that we're still sort of like in this, like, I don't know, eight, five years old uh, style transfer where you, you, you sort of push the button and uh, like in some application and it's uh, speeds back uh, sort of like something uh, that looks like Van Gogh's Starry Nights. And I just, just like uh, out of curiosity today, um, Google uh, AI art and uh, I swear you like on the first page, I got uh, style transferred uh, Starry Nights. Mm-hmm. So, so that, that's why, I mean, we, we moved so, so far from this and, uh, but, but I feel like uh, for most of the public, it's still the perception that this is what we are doing. I see. Yeah. And related to that, I think, you know, and in, in many discussions among people who are maybe mm-hmm. less involved in art or in the community, I think it's it's often sort of brought up this question of um, is uh, AI a threat to artists? Uh, is it sort of you know who is the maker of art? You know, is it the person mm-hmm. or is it the um, artists? And um, you know, I think the conventional view by artists that I've seen is that it's just another tool. Yes, you know, it's nothing new. Mm-hmm. Uh, but is that still something that you see and you know have to kind of uh, explain uh, too often? Uh, you, you know, it's interesting. I mean, I get this uh, like when I give talks or we have panels. So this question pops up like if it's a tool collaborator, and I like you said, it's it's just the tool. In, in the bigger toolkit. So it's like, uh, for, for, uh, the, the only thing that, uh, I mean, it, it's not creative in the sense like uh, human creativity, but it ca- can come up, I mean, the, as a tool, he, it can come up with some uh, sort of unexpected results, pleasant results. So, I mean, but, but it's the same with watercolor. So, and that's why, again, I mean, you just need to, to learn it as a tool and then, uh, like, uh, let it uh, do its, its, uh, its thing. But uh, I, I mean, in, in the bigger picture, people scared of AI, but I don't think it's it kind of like in, in, the, in the domain of art. Though, like, in music, we, we see a lot of, like, uh, generative music, and maybe, I don't know, musicians feel it as a threat. For me as an artist, I'm so far, I'm good. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not afraid. Yeah. And then related to that, I guess mm-hmm. we know that AI is moving really fast as a field. There's, there's constantly new, new developments. And I think you mentioned mm-hmm. you're still kind of mostly using PsychoGAN. Um, so in, in looking for new techniques, do you try and keep up with sort of new GANs or new papers, or is it a mix of that and just exploring other possibilities, just using the uh, models you already know? 
no, I'm 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 up to I mean, not, not up to date, up to date, but I definitely follow uh, what's going on with Gens and. Uh, the reason I, I mean, style again or cycle again, it's uh, like, or even Essen again, this is like uh, my toolkit. Mm-hmm. And for, for, for the reason that I already mentioned that, uh, I don't, uh, I mean, m- my point is not to produce the digitally correct stuff. And this is what you get like with uh, recent sort of, because this is where the end game for, for the researchers not for me. So, and uh, with a clip, it's something that uh, for, for me, it looks like uh, deep dream to the zero. So I'm not interested. I mean, people, people have like fun with it, but I mean, artistically, I, aesthetically, it's not my thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, it's hilarious, but it's, it's pretty much it. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, yeah, it makes sense. So then also looking back, I'm curious, um, you've now done a fair deal of work, uh, in terms of AI art. You, I mm-hmm. think my impression is you're quite productive in general. Yeah, I'm <laughs> too prolific even <laughs> to myself. Um, so then, yeah, looking back, uh, I don't know if this is a fair question, but do you have any sort of subjects or um, artworks that you're particularly fond of or, you know, were sort of, yeah, discoveries that were exciting? Um, it, it's a mix because, uh, I mean, I've... I often go back uh, to, to, to see, because I do like a lot of like uh, collaging right now with all the results and uh, yeah, collage is still part of my uh, medium that I really uh, appreciate. And But, but some stuff like I cringe and, uh, but I know people still like it, but and that's why I don't want to, to question anybody's taste. But uh, I mean, I think uh, one of the things that change, I mean, the vision with all these years that you work with, uh, I mean, carefully, your visual perception improves because you, you look at this stuff like, uh, like nine hours a day. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's something that uh, for artists is very important. And that's why it's important to, to, to look at your old work. Some of it is amazing. I mean, I am still kind of surprised. But uh, you also learn that, uh, I mean, you, you now know better. Mm-hmm. And not from the toolkit perspective, from, from your, again, visual perception. From a creative and sort of aesthetic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I see. And then um, that sort of also makes me wonder... Um, do you still, maybe on the side or to a lesser extent, mm-hmm. also still paint uh, with watercolors and stuff like that? Or, of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. It's, it's, it's again, it's, I think uh, it, it was a little bit uh, tough during uh, the last year of pandemic. Because, you know, this feel of like being exhausted all the time, being sort of like anemic and you not wanting to do anything. With digital art, I, I was joking that uh, when you can't hold uh, the pencil, you still can kind of move the mouse. 
Mm-hmm. So, and that's why it, it was like easy fall, but you, you are so tired. You sit, sit in the evening, maybe with a glass of wine, and you sort of like lazily draw something. With a pencil, I mean, you can do it. When you do work, uh, art with analog uh, tools, it is uh, like, it's, it's almost like a physical effort. And that's why I kind of like forced myself doing this, just for my own sanity. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's sort of therapeutic and it's sort of like a must for, for me at least. So just uh, to, to kind of like preserve the sanity if you want. I see. Yeah. And yeah, as we are approaching the end of uh, the pandemic, hopefully um, you mentioned that you've now sort of uh, gone to different conferences, uh, has, mm-hmm. have given talks. Is that? an aspect of your career that, you know, you've, you found to be enjoyable and, you know, that you, uh, like to do. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's, it's like so many events were canceled, uh, last year that I was really kind of like looking for, but, uh, on the other hand, uh, you, you know, um, I think we, we did, I mean, I was surprised that uh, we still did uh, very well uh, relatively in terms of uh, conferences and stuff. And we're learning uh, like to, how to do it properly. And I have like a couple of events uh, lined up for May and further that are totally online with like this virtual towns and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, so I think it's an interesting uh, direction and maybe... Uh, I need to adjust uh, uh, how I approach my art making because uh, if uh, sort of like I, I know for a fact it's like stays digital, maybe, uh, I mean, initially it was like, you, you know, it's always like in my mind was that it ends up as a print at the end. But, but uh, now, I mean, it's just like a digital art has its own rules and uh, that, that's why... Um, yeah, I think it's like uh, for, for now uh, we uh, we should prepare to stay like mm-hmm. maybe uh, like almost digital and maybe a little bit like person to person but locally. That makes sense. Yeah, of course. Yeah. That's also been true for researchers yeah. you know, not going to conferences and mm-hmm. it might be a more permanent arrangement. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and uh, again, I mean, there are certain advantages for this, like like um, some locations you don't even want to do to, to go there. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. yeah, yeah, and I hate to fly there anyway. So yeah, that makes sense. So yeah, I think uh, we've covered a lot of interesting details. Uh, it's been very interesting to hear uh, all of this. Is there anything else you might want to share or any any other fun details about your journey? No, I think like we, we covered uh, like what, what I, I kind of like plan to do this year with books and like physical objects. And I mean, yeah, maybe I'll kind of say a couple of words that, uh, like, since we, we don't have, like, personal exhibitions and something, I think, like, doing some small physical objects, like, uh, as books, it's a nice thing because they're portable, you can send them, and I think it's just, like, one way to, to overcome this being uh, online only through, like, sharing the physical artifacts. And now I'm working on this clay stuff. So it's something also sort of, like, tangible but still small, not too expensive. So, yeah, I think it's, like, giving AI back to people what I call, like, folk AI. 
Uh, that's great. And um, if if any of our listeners want to see your work or follow you, um, maybe are there any particular you know uh, avenues or ways that you can recommend to do that? Yeah, it's just like I, I actually like retired uh, my website because nobody goes there anyway. So, so it's all Twitter. Mm-hmm. And on Twitter, I'm uh, neural bricolage. So, yeah, I mean, I'm there like pretty much all the time sharing graciously my <laughs> thoughts and uh, pictures. Mm-hmm. Great. And we also include that in the uh, episode description. Uh, I've, I've been a, a follower for a long time. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I guess that's about it. Uh, thank you again for joining us for this episode. My pleasure. And uh, just to wrap up, um, thanks to our listeners for listening. I hope you found that uh, interesting. Once again, this is the Gradient Podcast. Uh, Check out our actual magazine at thegradient.pub and our newsletter uh, where you can find out about uh, new articles and podcasts at gradientpub.substack.com. If you are a fan of our work, uh, please support us by sharing the gradient with your friends, subscribing to our newsletter and podcast, rating and reviewing the podcast on Apple and elsewhere. And finally, by looking at ways to support us financially over at gradient.pub slash support. And that's it. Thank you so much for listening and be sure to tune in to our future episodes.